Listener Production. This podcast was recorded on the ancient lands of the Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation in Australia. I wish to acknowledge their rich and continuing culture and especially pay respect to the elders past, present and emerging and to acknowledge and pay respect to any First Nations people from anywhere in the world who may come to hear this podcast. We hope that we may all come to walk with gentle feet, strong minds and compassionate hearts in this global village. No dad wants to be a lousy dad. Aiming to be a good dad is great, but you know what? Being a good enough dad is so much more important. I'm Maggie Dent, parenting educator, author, and a champion of boys and men, and this is The Good Enough Dad, where I chat with committed, caring, sometimes confused, and often funny dads about all the ways they've discovered to be good enough at this parenting gig. My good enough dad today is Hamish Blake. Being awarded Father of the Year, it is slightly strange because uh, it's not a competition, obviously being a parent, but as a chance to sort of stand up and talk about the importance of fathering and, and being a dad, it's, uh, it's, a, really, it's a really huge honour and, and, I, and I hope I get to do that. Hamish is, as you heard there, the winner of Father of the Year Award for 2023. He's one half of the comedy duo Hamish and Andy. He's the host of the TV show Lego Masters and the podcast How Other Dads Dad. He's a two-time gold Logie winner and as one small boy was overheard saying recently, he's a pretty cool guy. But those in his life who think he's the coolest are his wife Zoe Foster-Blake and his children, nine-year-old Sonny and six-year-old Rudy. Hamish, welcome to The Good Enough Dad. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is the first time I've ever um, had an intro, like sat across from an intro. It's weird, hey? It is, it is strange, yeah. <laughs> I reckon probably for particularly, you know, Sonny, having you as the host of Lego Masters is probably way higher up, hey, than Father of the Year, do you reckon? Uh, I suppose in terms of tangible, res- like, results, because... Look, let's get it. Let's get Father of the Year out of the way. It's such a strange. It's a lovely award, and and you know the fathering project is behind it, and the people behind it do great work, and I think it stands for a wonderful thing. But it, but again, it is a strange award to win because, as I mentioned, you were at the award <laughs> ceremony, and my little boy, Sonny, when I told him about it, he rightly went like, "How do they know?" <laughs> I was like, "It's true because there's only two people who should get to vote, and they didn't, and they didn't. They're not asked to vote, so." In that sense, you kind of go, it, this means nothing, like that means nothing if you don't get their vote. And I, afterwards I said to them, I was like, look. Do got, I get your vote? Obviously, we've got the what I said. And I took it home and they wanted to see it and I showed them it's right. like a little glass plaque and I said, look, I, to be honest, guys, this only counts if you think it's yeah. true. It can only be two people's dad ever. And that's, it's you guys. And so my message for anyone listening that is a dad or is in a father figure position would be well, you you're the father of the year to your kids everyone is everyone has to be the father of the year to their own kids i certainly can't be to someone else's kids no, that's why you get those great cool socks that's stuff. yeah that's yeah. why you get the mug <laughs> the mug is the real prize <laughs> screwdrivers okay so what happened in the house this morning with the family was it a smooth takeoff yeah no that's a great question because it never is right <laughs> It never is. I was wondering too, and I will get to this question, how long, especially after winning Father of the Year, how long until it gets used <laughs> against you? And we were at an airport, like I think it was like two days after winning Father of the Year. Sonny's scooting along on a, um, like just riding on the carry-on luggage, like the thing. And I frequently see, like, you know, you can just see accidents waiting to happen. And airports are just pressure cookers, right? And so I was like, guys, hey, when... This goes wrong. This is the bit where I said, let's not do that. He's zooming around on this thing. He stacks it. We're all flustered. We're all trying to get going. And I and I just probably said, like, curtly, like, right, that's it. Jump up, mate. No more riding it. Just use the handle. And I misread that he'd hurt himself, right? So in that moment, I probably should have taken a bit to be like, are you okay? But the moment got the better on me. Anyway, he just looked at me. He goes, oh, best parent in the world, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that didn't take long. It was about two days. Two days in. Two days before he was back. And he was like, yep, fair enough. So this morning, what happened this morning? He's been off. He was sick. He's got a bit of an ear infection. Sonny's very rarely sick from school. I'd say he's taken one or two sick days off in his life. So yesterday he wasn't at school and he's got a bit of an ear infection. And 
But it was one of those days where they're really sick at seven o'clock. And then by about nine o'clock, oh. he's like, can we play soccer? So I was like, yeah, I'm right. damn it, you could have gone to school. And so he had this great day yesterday. Then he sort of got a bit sick again last night. So this morning when he woke up, we were like, right, we've, so, and, and Zoe's, my wife is a very busy, like the day's, the day has no fat in it. So just suddenly a kid being home from school is just yep. when you're expecting him to be at school, that that can rock. So Zoe comes into me and she's like, he's just woken up. He feels a little bit sick. He just mm. can't be off school today. And I was like, well, we better go and see. And then I went in and again, I was probably a bit too like, I think you're going to be fine, mate. I think you're possibly laying it on a bit. In my defense, though, I think he was because he was fine. He was fine. Yeah. He was fine half an hour later once yeah. he got going and yeah. had a bit of food and wheat bits. Yeah, and food. He's done the day. Yeah. So that was our day this morning. There was a few. There's a bit of a stutter step there in terms of just just being on the wrong wavelength, empathy wise. But we got there. Well, I do the drive to school in the morning, and we try and run a pretty high vibe car. Um, we we run a lot. I find of, that really surprising. Yeah, we run a lot of singing. There's a lot of a bunch of games that it's funny to see the because. We've gone from, I've never had a school run until this year, and now it's like a 20 to 25 minute drive. But we've found a good rhythm now where it's like playlists. God, we listen to the same songs over and over again, but it makes singing everyone happy. Singing them badly. Ugh, singing them badly. A whole bunch of games we play with people passing by on the street. I pretend Bono. to, yeah, pretend to know the bus drivers and like the kids <laughs> get angry at me because they're like, we, don't, we know you don't know that guy. I'm like, guys, that's Jeremy Smimkins. He's one of my best mates. <laughs> And they know I'm <laughs> like trying to get me lying. Um, but anyway, we got back into a good flow um, this morning. But of course, every morning, that's the funny thing Different. about having kids. Every morning has a tear. Like literally this morning, Rudy was screaming at Matt Zoe, I hate you. Um, because she got because Zoe was trying to brush some yeah. knot, a knot out of her hair. Oh, gosh. Hair girls. Hair girls. So yeah. I don't know. A snapshot of a normal morning in our household is like. Anything could happen. You just swing from yep. one end of the spectrum to the other. We literally had in in the house this morning, it, it, within the space of twenty minutes, one child saying, "I I hate you," and I don't believe you've ever loved me, because <laughs> she's just sort of like Rue yeah. goes hard on hyperbole, yeah. and then writing a card, um, also yeah. to, that says, "I love you more than anything." Yeah, that's it. Within that's, twenty minutes. Yeah, and we're like, Whoa. I think there's a lot of dads out there just being. Felt really heard right then. Because just... it's just there's no sense of predictability. I can't really contain it. Yeah, you and you're it. going to have to laugh a little bit. And then, but it also, you just, I think the only thing I've learned with the passing of time, you just then learn to go, you just detach a yeah. little bit from, you know, yeah. the, the one trap you can fall into is taking it personally. And I've fallen for it many times. And there's always, it's very hard to not take it personally when your kid's yelling, I hate you. It feels like quite a personal thing Six to say. Six-year-old girls are quite good at that, but we'll move on. Hamish, can you paint me a picture of your childhood, especially being kind of, I think, the middle child? Yes. How was it? How was, like, I, I mean, we, we were very privileged, like very fortunate, middle class, suburban Melbourne upbringing. You know, I feel like I need to flag the the, the clear privileges up front. But so I look back... And I go, it was, you know, you felt like you had infinite summers full of just like cicadas and lawn Are we talking about Melbourne here? Yeah, Because that's yeah. not the Melbourne I know. Well, it felt like we had long, hot summers. My childhood, I would say, was was happy. And it probably had something in it that's lacking more and more these days that I do look back on, which is just long stretches of boredom. Like long, long, long stretches of what are we going to do today? Which I... I'm so you have a backyard for. or near a park? Yeah, so we had a backyard. And also my grandpa had a few farms, like cattle farms that my dad worked on. So a lot of the time I was at the farm on the weekends too. Okay. So like, especially before I was like 10, dad would work on the weekends at the farm and we'd just go and like wander around the farm and just basically try and find forbidden things like air rifles. Yeah. We was always broken the air rifle, but we were trying to get, like constantly trying to get the air rifle to work or like finding an old like, like fish filleting knife and like trying to cut stuff up with that. Like I'm glad that we got that rambling space, which again I think is tough for kids to have these days and something that I think I, I think is pretty important. So to just, yeah, to just entertain us. I was like just, just chucking clumps of dirt at the side <laughs> of the shed. <laughs> like, like I have clear memories of that with my brother on a Saturday, just like chucking dirt bombs as hard as we could. Yeah. Which again, if we'd have existed in a world full of, 
like computer games and stuff, of course we would have chosen computer games, but I'm so glad that we just chucked dirt bombs. They have bikes. You, yeah, you yeah, that's it. Without so you just, brakes and you just, no yeah, helmet. Yeah, really <laughs> shitty bikes. And that's it. Like I remember, I remember being at primary school when the helmet laws came in, and we're like, "What? <laughs> what is this? We can get fined thirty <laughs> bucks. Who can afford that?" <laughs> so uh, we were really lucky in that sense that we had rambling space. I'm grateful, very grateful to my parents that you know through. Des- I think it was through design that they were like go and just amuse yourselves at the farm. So every human um, is impacted like consciously or unconsciously by the way we're being parented. But what do you reckon you learned from your own dad about being a dad now that you are a dad? I had a chat with dad about this the other day. We actually had a very deep conversation before the Father of the Year Awards because he's in Melbourne and they're in Sydney. And I said, look, you know, I didn't, you don't have to come, but um, I feel like I should tell you because you're my dad. Mm. It feels like the kind of thing you do with your dad is to tell him yep. beforehand. And we had a really interesting chat because his first reaction was like, well, this has got nothing to do with me. I'm like, I don't think you've got any of this from me. And, and I was like, you know what, dad, I will give that a solid yes and, a, and an also, also a no. So because I can't not have got it from you because that's what happens, like it or not. Like I was at your feet for a good, mum and dad split up, but like a good, I would say a good 15 years of my life. Like that's, that was my input. That's where I learned how to be a dad. I said, but I'll also be honest with you and say there's a lot of stuff I added afterwards. And one thing I've, I've learned from doing How Are The Dad's Dad is the podcast. And, you know, we get a lot of feedback and I talk to a lot of guys. It's been a really beautiful experience because you end up going and having these very deep conversations with guys about their own dad. A lot of what we inherit in terms of the blueprint of being a father is the things that resonated for us to go, even if we thought our dad didn't really realize it at the time, we're like, okay, that made us feel special, that worked. And then there's a lot of correction slash overcorrection where we're doing the inverse, where we're like, well, this never happened, so now I'm going to do that. And in some cases, I'm going to do that, and then it becomes, I'm going to do that so much (laughs) I go way too far and it becomes its own problem, then our kids will probably overcorrect that. So it's that mixture of of repeating and filling in holes. And and I had a pretty good chat about that. And he was like, look, I know I know I gave you a lot of holes probably to fill in. And you so also what, what's re- one of those holes that you chosen not to take forward? <sighs> I would I would say a big one like dad dad was absent not in this there was no malice with like he wasn't violent it wasn't angry i mean he was he's stern but i always found that funny that was a source of great comedy for me um because he's not that he's a, he has, he's, a, he's a really kind heart but he struggled to he struggled to be in the moment he really did i think it perplexed him a bit and i hope i'm not throwing him under the bus here but i think he would agree with this where that was an area where, especially as I got older, became a teenager, like coming into my world just didn't compute with dad. Yeah. And whether he meant it or not, I was left with that impression of like, okay, well, this, he doesn't get what's going on and i got to sort this out for myself. Now, he had his own stuff going on and, and, and I have a lot of empathy and I, and I realised he was trying his best and yeah. he's just a man. That's what he was doing. He's just a man and, and I'm just a man too and I'll, I'll make a lot of mistakes too. That was one thing I took from, from Dan to go, okay, if, if nothing else, at least letting your kid know that what they're feeling and thinking is important to you because it's important to them. Yeah. And I reckon there was probably dad was looking at my life and my problems and going, mate, none of this matters. You, you know, whether it's social problems or whatever it was, he was like, oh, well, you're not going to know these guys in five years anyway. That's the way high school works. So who cares? You should just get on with it because if I was you, I would. And so that just creates a huge distance between you. And I think from that lack of, that feeling of like, oh, well, dad's really not interested in this and what I'm doing and the challenges I'm facing, that was a really isolating feeling. That's a very lonely way to feel. You grow up and you develop things that can help patch over that and work around that and you do a bunch of work and you talk to therapists and you figure it all out. Well, you don't figure it all out, but you begin to unravel it and at least you're aware of it. But for me, that's the one bit where I'm like, okay, if, if nothing else, I want my kids to always feel like if it's important to them, it's important to me. What you've actually described is actually kind of the science of attachment. 
that we, it's the connection mm. and that it, as you moved on, it was just, it wasn't really there because we want our, we want our parents to be there when, you know, when we succeed, but also when we struggle, but also to try and make an attempt to understand us. Cause that's a really tricky window. Lots of dads tell me that I was great until they became a teenager. And then I just, yeah, I couldn't do that bit. That was really mm. hard for me because I, I didn't understand it all. Yeah. And I reckon dad and I hit the bad luck patch of, as my life became more complicated as a teenager, his life got busier. Yeah. And, and I can see how that would be a really unfortunate double whammy. Yep. I mean, life gets in the way, right? Like you can, I'm sure it's, it wasn't by design, but suddenly he was like, oh, I've got, I've got a whole bunch more stuff to do. So now we've got less bandwidth available as opposed to more. Interesting, because that's the whole journey over that bridge to manhood, which is really an important window of influence. Your folks split up when you were a teenager. What do you remember of that time? Because you were probably, you know, sometimes moody, confused teen with an unpredictable penis. Mm. Um, and then that happens. How did you handle that? I don't remember it being too big a deal in that sense, which is interesting in itself, but like, the family unit had already sort of started to fracture a little bit. Like I said, sort of from when I was about 14 or 15, I changed schools. I started going to school a long way away, which was a great change for me. Like that was a life-changing, like for people that are familiar with Ryan Shelton's excellent comedy, that was, I moved schools and, you know, met Rye and we became best buddies and we, you know, he, he was really life-changing for me in the sense that he was the friend that allowed me to be myself. Like, yeah. and that, which was huge huge, and not something that I'd figured out at that stage yet that you could just do that and yeah. be yourself. And that really changed my life. And also in that like very delicate, awkward kind of 14 year old way, that was probably something where it was like in another world, that's something maybe you were hoping you could get from your parents. That sort of support yeah. is just like, Hey, just be yourself. And mum was loving and terrific, but maybe that was a bit of a rift between dad and I, cause he was like. It, he just was abs. He was doing other stuff. I actually spent a lot of time living at Rye's house because yeah. it took ages for me to get to school, and he lived next door to the school. And his parents <laughs> were like, "Just stay at our Very place." Very pragmatic. It's easier. And so eat their fridge. At the time, I was like, "Well, yeah, this." <laughs> they had a great fridge. That's actually a terrific point. They had paddle pops after dinner every night, and that was just a fine thing to do. So I was like, "Well, oh, there's a huge upside here." So anyway, <laughs> we'd, so I was sort of doing that. My older brother had got a job and was saying to like move out. Mum and dad were obviously drifting apart. So. It had already yeah. started to drift. So by the time kind of like I think I was about 18 or 17, maybe it was a couple of years later when they're like, we're going to get separated. I remember going, yeah, great. This makes sense. Well done on whoever's called yeah. this because this clearly kind of is over. It might have been harder for my little sister. I think she was about 13 or 14 at the time. So that she, that would have affected her more. My brother had sort of by and large moved out. So the damage, for want of a better word, had already kind of started. Like we'd already, we had had been drifting apart. And and I think, I guess it was just like a bunch of individuals making it work, yeah. which is fine because we were all kind of doing what we had to do to get through times that felt big to us. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, there was a sadness to it in a sense because there was not much of a family unit anymore. You've owned the fact that you didn't feel terribly understood by your dad mm. in those, particularly those teenage years. And you're, you know, looking down the barrel, really, in a few years. Um, have you have you got any strategies on how you're going to kind of be that understanding dad while this turbulent, um, <laughs> bumpy ride yes. appears? This is so interesting because this is just theory, right? And the rubber will hit the road and... Things will change, as they say. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> but the thing that I will try and hold on to, my North Star, I reckon, will be just letting go of the thought that I know best and constantly being willing to come back to that place to listen, to kind of go, what is going on in your world? Because I just think, I think if I can do that as a starting point, I've got a shot at, at being a much better Sherpa than someone that, is just there to tell them what they're doing wrong. Yeah. One of the key things, I think, in the window is becoming informed about what the heck is really going on mm. underneath everything because mm. all change creates stress. So what we didn't realise was there were not only body changes, which, of course, we all know when things drop and things stick out and, 
the hormonal changes are really fun where the brain changes are really, really big in terms of how they can, you know, toss kids upside down in that journey. So when we all as parents are better informed, we're able to go, yeah, it's, it was bumpy for me too and it was really confusing for me, but we're here if, you know, that all goes to, mm. to crap. Mm. But it is meant to be bumpy and it's meant to be confusing and you're not meant to be happy all the time and you're going to make really lousy choices, poor choices, particularly as a boy, really risky choices, and that's all kind of part of it. But yeah. we're going to absolutely still be that safe base. And I think my big thing that I, I should be aware of and getting ready to let go of is that is when it is poor choices, just don't be so quick to... What were you thinking? Highlight that it was a poor choice. Just right. just to know that poor choices are coming and that it's all part of it. Because yeah. I think that's something you can save your teenagers from, that weight of like, oh, now I've let down everyone. Like, you know, the, that, the, the, the perception that like, well, it's possible to get through your teenage years making all the perfect choices and you've just messed it up. Because, of course, it's, it didn't. We Don't didn't you? do it. No, no one, <laughs> not like, you know, man, boy, did we not do it. <laughs> So just that, that, that it's, you know, I think it always helps. Like any time I've done something physically difficult that, you know, it's the mentality before you like do a hard, long endurance event, for example, you do so much better in the event if you're fully expecting and almost willing on the pain. Yeah. And then when it arrives, it doesn't yeah. throw you because it's not a shock because you go, yeah, great. This is what I expected. Yeah. This is what I signed up for. Yeah, no one has a smooth ride here. So that thing of just going, yeah, I know that there'll be bad choices and like terrible yeah. decisions and a lot of a lot of angst. When it arrives, I think if you're in that mindset, then you yeah. can go like, well, this is what we expected and, and we're that, gonna be okay. That hunger for connection that you missed. Mm. Looking at where is that with both of my kids, working out where's the space that I'm gonna stay connected, where it's a dad date or it's we do that with that one and we do this with this one. Yeah. And we do it regularly. Yeah. And this is the bit where I sort of say to Zoe, like, these are the parts where I think, because our brains are fully cooked, this is where we're the adults. Where That's we it. kind of, this is the only bit where I think it's okay to outsmart your kids yeah. and, and play games with them. Because you're like, the you know. The prefrontal should be finished. Yeah. <laughs> I hope mine is. But you you know what you're doing, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you know, you actually in the game of chess that's going on, you know which pieces you can sacrifice and which are like, yeah. we, whatever, let's just get through this because we can't lose Simpson Sunday or whatever yeah. our tradition is. Yeah, exactly. Now, you're quite famous for your birthday cake creations and things, Hamish, on, online. And so... You know, some of those worked really well and some didn't. But we'd like you to own a significant dad fail. Oh, let me see if I can think of a recent one. Because there are ones where I'm like, I, I definitely, I mean, I feel like I have many days, many days where you wake up and you've got absolute best intentions where you're like, right, <laughs> new day, I'm going to get after gonna it today. I'm going to nail it. You know what? I'm deleting Instagram. I'm going to be very present today. Like, I'm going to. I've been a bit scatterbrained, and then you go to bed that night going, boy, that got away from me. How did that happen? Like, how did they, they really, all right, I'm trying to teach my daughter how to ride without training wheels yep. at the moment. That's a big thing. Rue is, she has huge, big feelings. I'll preface this by saying, A, she's the funniest person I've ever met and probably will ever meet. She's just an amazing character. And is extremely determined and driven when for things she wants to do, like beautiful, expressive, but is is big can big can feelings. big feelings can go big. And one of the triggers to go big is unfortunately just slight discomfort or um, just needs to know things are kind of running her way. This is something I was going to talk about later too, but and we can loop back to this. Just this the the, the moment between going. Okay, I, I hear you, honey, and I feel feel you, but we're gonna keep going. You know, playing that game, being on that knife edge of like, I don't want to be the, well, too bad, so sad, toughen yeah. up, but I also don't want to be like, hey, if you ever encounter any discomfort, let it go. We just walk uh, we'll, away. We'll just go and have candy. <laughs> so it's that delicate balance. Anyway, we're trying to do bike training at the moment. Now to create a fun environment, we're doing it with one of her buddies, 
and we've started a bike gang called Mermaids and Unicorns Bike I Gang. I love it. They made T-shirts up for the bike gang, the other family, Beautiful. which I highly rated because I was like, guys, I'm a huge fan of team merch. So, yeah. So the dads <laughs> have got these pink T-shirts. The girls have got their T-shirts. We've got a bike gang going. And I've developed a sticker chart and like a, a, a journey to get us off training wheels. And at the end, I've got tr- like little plastic trophies and we're yeah. working up to the final lesson. Now, all of that sounds great. And that's all like fun stuff for the scrapbook. But of course, you have this idea of how this is going to go. And then the reality is, you know, there have been a couple of mermaids and unicorns classes where it's ended in tears because I've pushed when I should have retreated or I've, I've, I accidentally cheered too loud for the other girl. Yeah, see, that's big. You've got to keep And it that. broke her heart because I was trying to, try to be a good coach and her friend did something great and I was like, yeah, no. that's awesome. While we, were, while we were getting ready to do our run, we're rolling down the hill at the moment, like a grassy hill, and it was just too big. It was just too big for Rue and, and you'd have that moment where you're like, no, no, you can do it, honey, and it just, she hadn't found the confidence yet and... And in fact, I was banished. She, it got to the stage where she was like, um, she you was actually, were sacked, were you? I was sacked. She was saying to the other dad, I'm not doing it if he's watching Whoa. and pointing at me. And I was like, oh my God, how do we get Yeah, here? that's a really good fail. I was like, this is really, this is horrible because she's disowning me in front of this other dad who's a great dad. And I was like, well, thank you, mate. I mean, this is the benefit of doing it with another dad. I was like, yeah, um, yeah. Can, do you mind taking over? And I'll, I literally had to face a tree. While she was having a go you at doing stuff, you don't mess with a girl who's decided you're not doing a good enough job. Yeah, Do you remember those big feelings? Like, let's. Yep. Let's but, by the way, own... this is, that was two days after being father. <laughs> yeah, and let's own so the she's fact. She's standing in the back screaming, "I hate you." That I'm the not emotional doing intensity of our girls and sometimes our women is something that many dads find really confusing because yes. it can come out of nowhere, and it does. And you've done nothing wrong, but you might cop the blame. And instead of it just blowing over, it can last for ages and you might just step in with this, I can see that you're frustrated thinking that might help them because that's what they say. And even yeah, yeah. I suggest you want to validate how they're feeling. And they're going to go, no, I'm not frustrated. I'm angry. And then, well, you've got it wrong again. And then you get another, you get tears for an hour. So these big, I just want to validate. Totally. You're and, not and the only dad struggling in that space. And I'm on a knee and I'm holding her and I'm like, Rue, yep. listen to me. We don't have to do this. I love you. I just w- want you to hear me. I love you. And she's, and she's like, oh, I don't love you. Yeah, because it glitters all up. Like, and I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. She's like, you never loved me. <sighs> she's got a great, yeah, she's really she, good with words. We already heard she's already done it. <laughs> Zoe, so I know she's good so, at it. And and the other thing is, she's this, this really hurts, but she's got the phrase, I don't believe you. Confused with, but she's got the phrase. She's got. She will add an in, so she'll go. I don't believe in you, Ah. and she'll be like, "You've never believed in me." What she means is, you have never believed what I'm saying because I'm telling you I'm upset. But what it comes out is, you've never believed in me, and it is really hurtful. Like a knife in the heart. Hey, honey, we're all. I'm all. I'm really trying to make this fun. But so you're like, great, okay, I Roger that. It's none of this is computing. And how can we, how can we fix this? So there you just beat a huge retreat. And like, even in that day, I was like, okay, level three sticker is abandoned. And all we're going to do now is play like Chasey or something. Like we have to break out of this. But that was, those are, you know, this is, this is daily for me. This is daily for most dads. I think there's seriously, I am going to. So in that bit, right. So this is my question to you. I'm like. I, I come up against this thing where I'm like, okay, I know the core, the root cause of this is she's like, I'm scared. I'm up a little hill. I don't feel confident. I was hoping the addition of a friend that turns out is a little bit further along the bike riding journey than her would, you know, that would, they would inspire each other. But I think we're hitting the flip side here of like, it's demoralized her a bit because she just feels completely, she doesn't trust her abilities yet. So it hasn't inspired her. It's, yeah. it's shamed her a bit. Yeah. But I know in my heart and because of who I am, I'm like, this is the bit, this is okay. Like, this is totally, and I'm saying to her, like, you don't have to be perfect. We can fall over a hundred times. You know, no one's born good at this. I was bad at this. This is how I learned to ride. You fall over. None of that's sort of sinking in. What I would never say this to her, but you've, but to boil it down simplistically, it's that, that knife edge between going, hey, mate, harden up a little bit versus because I don't want it to always just be, okay, mm. let's give up mm. because there was some discomfort. 
well, I don't have an answer for that. And that's the very much <laughs> Mackie. This is the, that's the bit I hit a lot of the time. All right. So let's just be really honest about that. So any time that we have a potential for failure or potential not looking good, I, I'm going to suggest that your girl sounds like a rooster orchid. So she's got, got a lot of guts and grit, but there's this side to her. She's so sensitive. Yeah, that's really sensitive. She's me. She's me, by the way. So big feelings. So like a performer can be loud, can be like, you know, can adore an audience, but is unf- but is like crude, like massively sensitive. Yeah. Even as I'm saying, I'm like, I know who this is. Yeah. So, so like one little error or failure will really cut her deep. All right. So let me give you a couple of suggestions here, right? One of the ones is that you can just sit with that and work out one that might work for you. Next time she's tucking into bed that night, you might just say that, yeah, look, if I mucked up today, I'm, you know, I'm sorry about that, but you know what? I reckon, why don't we do some training away from your friend until we get you better than her? And then we come back and have another go. How about we? That's just one thought. I'm so Second thing that works. That is my current strategy. <laughs> The second I thing. Sure if that was the, right the second thing is, um, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see yourself riding your bike, like really easily and really fast. So we actually know that that she's running a video that this is just too hard. I can't do it right, and it's yeah. really hard as as little girls to be able to rationalise that. Mm. We get better with practice. Yep, and also, yeah, no perspective. No, she has no right. She and so it's it's. Practice will help us perform, but close your eyes. I want you to, as many times during the day, practice in your head till you're going so fast that I can't catch you because the brain can't tell the difference between real and imagined. It thinks she's already riding like that. And you often notice a significant shift in their ability to be brave in that moment. Yeah, awesome. I know it sounds crazy. No, this is a great thing to do yeah. at bedtime. Like yeah, anything. Visualisation. visualization. And I like the, that. Yeah. I like that. You know, I know this is just yeah. a tiny little example, but. I like that then it's, yeah, that she's in, she's in a position of like power and yeah, I can't it. get her. Yeah. And that, the big feelings, they're going to keep going. So just know that I you're going to. There's no hormones involved. Just this stop six. talking so much, Seamus, in those moments. Such just, a good bit of advice. You just say, how can I help right now? So do you want me to stand with my face looking at the tree? I'll go do it. You want me to sit here? Do you want me to stand on my head? Do you want me to, what, what do you want me to do, right? And we know while they're still flooded that they're allowed to be flooded and you're doing a great job with that, let's be honest. Because when they're saying those things, especially those big things like, you don't love Mm. me, that's a way for her to discharge big cortisol out of her brain and her body. But what we want her to do is as it's depleting, we want to be able to turn that around and you can influence the the neurochemicals by suddenly dancing badly or doing one of your crazy things Mm. or trying to do a cartwheel fall on your head automatically her neurochemicals will flip into a lighter space and then near the end they can get stuck in what we call ruminating loops <laughs> and West girls can go on for days in that space. So there's another tool. So it's about picking that gear change because yep. I yes. do notice it in her yeah. and maybe other people listening will see a similar thing and think yep. it's where it's huge, like it's just reaching for yeah. the biggest levers she can yep. climb. That's why she's trying to say that stuff. And then as she's running out of it, that's your moment yep. to yep. gear change it. And so it is hard. Everyone who's learnt to ride a train, you know, this yeah. is everyone's. You're so right, though. You know what? It, it's just, I it reckon, can be hard. I reckon talking too much. Yeah, I think you are. Oh, yeah. With great love, which is also, you kind of like, you keep talking and I'm trying to get my but bits we, out. But we like, talk about overcorrection because, you know, everyone's, for someone like me, <laughs> like, didn't. they never talked. And so now you're like, oh, okay, well, the answer yeah. is I'll explain every single thing I'm thinking. <laughs> and the kids are just going, shut up. Sometimes it's just that look on your face and let look at her because that she wants to be heard, but you keep talking. Yeah. So let her be heard. And that's one of the biggest tips I've said to dads at times with little girls. Make a space like when you get home from work, if you, you know, allow five or some, something minutes to sit with your little girl on the step out the front or on the couch. And don't, don't pump her with press and just, just see if she's, you might just say, so how was your day or something? Because she can remember it. Most boys haven't got a clue what happened. That's what I find amazing. Before yeah. the kids started at school, I remember, you know, hearing parenting podcasts and talking to parents and stuff. They're like, oh, it's really hard, you know. The kids don't talk at the end of the day. They won't say anything. Rue's slightly different. Maybe it's just because she's in kindy New South Wales prep, Victoria. No, no. She just comes. She's just like, hey, Dad, guess what? Yeah, and, no. And then guess what else? Girls, remember everything <laughs> over and over. And what she wants is to give you the update of the entire day. So I was that sort of a girl, right? So yeah. I remember 
You know, my dad was the most beautiful patient man driving around in the ute sometimes. And I'd get home and I'd, I'd, I'd literally update him from the moment I got on that school bus <laughs> to the moment I got home, right? And he'd be driving the ute. One day he stopped the ute and we had those column gear sticks and he put the car and turned it off and turned to me and listened to me finish like for about three more minutes. I can still remember that because that was the moment I realized my dad loved me and oh, he'd never wow. said he loved me. He listened so with so much presence that I just knew he had to love me. And so every now and then for dads, you kind of want, you've got jobs to do and you want it to just pause until she's run out of whatever it is because she's actually reconnecting to you. And it's just pure gold, That's pure awesome. gold. You have what, one of the quickest wits I've ever heard, seriously, and a really good sense of humour. So, you know, on a percentage, how often are you the funny dad? It's a funny one because something genetically flips in you. Even as a professional, someone that's like in comedy professionally, and I've talked to other comedian dads about this too, like dad jokes are not for laughs. Like no. you grew up, my whole professional career, I've been playing for laughs. Like you are going for laughs. And then for your children though, for something, something changes and you get the same dopamine that you used to get from a room full of people laughing, you get it from two people groaning. Yeah. Oh. So now you're going for groans. Yeah. And you're like, and even, I even, I even analytically know they're bad jokes. So it's very weird. It's like yeah. you're possessed. I actually feel like I'm possessed. So as a, as a human being that has grown up trying to find the cleverest line, like the best joke to say, now to these humans, you are actively trying to find the worst line. It's like you're tanking. But you, you can't stop. No, you can't, I know. You can't stop. My dad was really good at it. And and I don't know what it is, but it's just like it brings you this uh, crazy amount of delight. Joy. Of joy to just go. Get the groan. To just get the groan. And then, but sometimes because dad jokes are essentially puns and wordplay. Yeah. I really love that my, both my kids are at an age now where they're appreciating, they yeah. understand comedy and are getting into it more and more. And their eyes light up at the idea of jokes and punchlines yeah. and acrobatics with words. And sometimes if I do one that's really outlandish, my son will be like, like he'll like yeah. begrudgingly be like, all right, not about bad. about to pay you that like, one. Like not bad. I hated it. Like now he knows I'm going for groans <laughs> and he's like, hmm, no, I did hate that, but that was a good, it was good. It was a high degree of difficulty for me oh, to hate it. I love it. I love it. What are some of the things that you've heard on your podcast, How Are the Dad's Dad, that have kind of surprised you. Yeah, interesting. There are definitely different uh, ideas and different notions. And probably one of the most fascinating notions, a guy called Rack, or his nickname is Rack on episode two of this season. One of the things he talks about is for when kids screw up to build up the trust so that they, there's no unexpected outcome. And so Rack was talking about the idea of, you know, he'd done it as a teacher and he does it with these kids that if they come to him, they say stuff up. All he says is, I love you. First off, I love you. You're not in trouble. We're not talking about it. Thank you for coming to me. I love you. And that has to be the first response. His, his lesson or his learning is like, that's the first response. So there's no doubt in their mind that when I go to dad and go, even if it's something horrible, that the response is, I love you. And that's not to say there are no consequences because there are consequences in life. And then sometimes they might, it might be like, you know, you might be like, well, you stole a car, so you will, there will be consequences for this. But you're, you coming to me as I love you. Cause I'd I, love to upgrade that just with one extra word, and that's I still love you. Yeah, exactly. I think the still bit. Yeah, I don't love you because right. you did this. Yeah, I, no. still, I still love <laughs> kind you. Because that's the unconditional quality that our kids need to know. You're gonna, you're not going to love me just when I get high grades. You're not mm. going to love me when I win the, you know, the football trophy and – so I turn up when I've crashed your car and you're going to, you know, you're going to take a moment to be able to get that sentence out. I think that's the gem. That's beautiful. And because I think that when you think about that, like I think a lot of people here, they'd be like, but hang on, isn't that just. No. But you, when you We'll think, deal with it. We'll deal with it. That's the thing. It's not ignoring the consequences. It's getting them in the right order. Yeah. Because I think what that's being honest about, the thing that I really liked about it is like, it is honestly saying if we want our kids to have a chance of growth after a mistake, because they'll all make mistakes yep. and they'll all make bad decisions, if you want them to have a chance, 
that's the way to build yeah. the foundation for them to have a chance. Because yeah. if you want to play the game of going, all right, you stole a car, that's yeah. it, you're grounded, you're, how could you do this? I've, I'm, I've never been so dis- yeah. disappointed yeah. in you my whole life. If you want to do all that stuff. And just punish. And just punish. Like when you think about it, you're like, well, that just makes you, that's you dealing with your shock and fear. And it doesn't do anything to help the kid. We've all been those kids too. Yeah. And the first thing you think is like, I've got to get better at hiding this. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't go, I'm yeah. never doing this again. You feel ashamed and and, yeah. up, and upset and you feel bad about yourself. So I was like, you know, I think I hadn't thought about it too much, but that's one that made me think a lot. I think that's um, great. From, and I think it that. brings out that the difference between punishment and discipline because punishment will you will hurt a child so they won't necessarily think of doing it again. But you haven't actually given them the guidance on how to make a better decision in the same situation. Mm. You haven't given them an opportunity to learn from that moment of complete failure to recognise that we all do it. But when we do, it feels crap, Mm, right? mm. We've got to validate you don't like yourself, but you might not love yourself right now. Yes. But we are big enough to still love you while this is going to go down. And I I suppose what you're saying, and I believe in you. Yeah. I believe in you to find the lesson. Yeah. And even if we can't see it right now, I believe that you'll find it. Um, can I ask you something too that this thought, I thought about this the other day, it's exactly in the same field, but on the opposite side of the coin. So my kids are at a school that quite likes tests, right? And they like scores. Now, net, net, I'm okay with that, but I do try and balance it out a lot at home with like, well, all the academic side of things, it's fun to learn. Like as long as you guys are engaged, that's what we're here to do. Like I want you to more be excited by learning and, you know, all that Curious sort of stuff. Yeah. Curious and like, let's just be good at asking questions. Yeah. We don't need to know all these facts. I was pretty academic at school. I scored really highly, but I, I don't want that for my kids necessarily. <laughs> like I looked at school as a game too. Like I, I didn't need, I was interested in winning the game. <laughs> but not because I was like, this is the most important thing in life. I wouldn't mind them having that philosophy. However, they get number scores. Like, or something in his, like in grade three, they're like, hey, we did the history test or we did the math test or whatever. So I had, a, I had an interesting one the other day where he comes and he goes, hey, Dad, I got 82 and a half on the science test. I was the top scorer in the class. And, of course, your first impulse is to be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. But then you're like, this is the same yes. thing yes, as is. when they've stuffed up. It's exactly the same response, just the yep. positive end of it yeah. to, to go – you, you, oh my God, yes. Like, you know, we're going out for yep. ice cream or whatever, because then you yep. are setting You're up feeding the him. wrong loop. Yep. That's the wrong loop. So it kind of caught me off guard. I saw it in the moment where I was like, yeah. you know, I, I stumbled and I said something to the effect of like, mate, well, even if you got 30, yeah. I just want you to yeah. know, like, as yeah. long as you you tried your hardest and, you know, I sort of cobbled together yeah. a shitty version of. But you didn't. You didn't do the one. You, you were actually aware that. I didn't go, we're going for. We're going for burger. We're so proud Mom of you. Mum and I were cracking champagne. <laughs> didn't do any of that. But it was interesting because I was like, that's something I don't think we we think about too much. But I think in this day and age, we're pretty good at uncoupling our kids from that external stuff. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. We, yeah. we want you to try. We want you to do this. We want you to do this. But we do still all fall a bit yeah. into, well, well, I actually kicked six goals in the grand final. And that thing of being like, okay, well, we want to celebrate your achievement. But we also don't want the message so we, to be this instead is of the only of us, time you we go, so how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Yeah. Right? Now, you know the only reason you got that grade was you put the work in. So you're the one who needs to be proud of you. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Because one of the challenges of having really bright kids and, you know, lucky you if you've got academically bright kids, some are just wired that way. You know that no kid is completely smart and sometimes they'll come apart with a test. They didn't read it. They didn't time it well. And it hits them really hard because they thought they were smart. And, you know, life turns up in all different ways. And so that's one of those things that, you know, you might not be able to get high grade in that yet because you haven't yet mastered what's in the test. Yeah. But it's more how does it make you feel? And I'm proud for you. Yeah. Not proud of yeah, you because gr- you make me look it. good. Yeah, exactly. Even though you secretly go in the bedroom and dance around and go, fire out, we nailed it. Well, I'm a good parent, but we don't do it in front no. of the child. And do you know what? I probably, <laughs> I probably more felt like relieved because, of course, in yeah. lots of other areas, there's, you know, yeah. or like like you said, mm. the, no kid or maybe some yeah. are amazing at all of it, but, you know, yeah. they're middle of the road, they're yep. less than 50% yep. on some tests and all that sort of stuff. And my normal line, and this particular school introduces tests, like, yep. I think a little earlier than other schools, but like I said, yep. net, net, I'm, I'm okay with their philosophy. No one's being punished for bad results. It's just they try and start the pattern a bit yeah. early. And if that works for some kids, that's great. But 
Yeah. So my my general thing with tests is like, well, they just sort of show us where. Yeah. Let's just show where you're at. And because I was like, there's nothing like with all the schoolwork, it's impossible when you don't know it, and it's very very easy when you do know it. What's your biggest fear, parenting and raising your two beautiful kids? I reckon it would be, maybe we all have a version of this fear, but just that thing of like, well, you, somehow when we're either overcompensating for something um, or not exposing you to something and, and it's, you know, you're going to get blindsided. And that that's, the, that's your biggest fear. And that could be emotionally, it could be, uh, it could be intellectually, it could be in relationships, it could be in yeah. just in, in the realities of work. And and that is that is a worry. I think everyone has a version of it, and it's probably very specific to who you are and where you're at in life. Because I often think heavily about what my own blind spots are. You know they're out there, but they're hard to find. And you're like, well, it's it's going to be something that's in a blind spot for me. And then that I'm worried that you guys aren't aren't being prepared for that. Yeah. And then yeah. I suppose, like again, I can only talk about having kids under ten. And but you have that feeling of like everything that in their world is your world, yeah. and then you know that they're going to enter the real world, yeah. and you know, of course, there's that like very irrational part of you that's like, no, I want you to be perfectly prepared. Yeah, and then there's also that realistic part that goes, I know you won't be, <laughs> and that, but that's how you're going to learn, and I don't know that's the loop I go in. I think that uh, that fear is completely justified after me raising four sons with some very unexpected blind spots that have turned up knowing that life can sometimes just flip upside down, there are going to be hard times, actually isn't a bad thing. If you think it's going to be, you know, a wonderful dance in a field full of daisies without any prickles, then you're going to come down a crashing. Yeah. So I think it's okay to have those fears. Yeah. And that's sort of where I end up. That's where I loop back to, where I go. This is life. This is life. And I don't want them to be, I don't want them to be perfectly prepared. Uh, if 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 in that sense, you, like I don't want him to be to have a pain free existence. I don't want him right. to have a frictionless life because no, the fun is in the friction. But I want, I suppose, what we all wish for our kids is just 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 a, enough a, a manageable amount of friction, <laughs> just enough friction, just enough friction to but grow. I, but not I, to crush yes, you. I certainly. I mean, and that is one of my fears that I'm like, I don't want you guys to have a frictionless life, and I don't want you to think that like living in yeah. an affluent part of Sydney is yeah. is what it's like for people on Earth. Yeah. And, you know, I'll take steps to try and remedy that, but see how I go. (laughs) What do you think is your best parenting win that you think you've had as a dad? I would say it's the the little, it's just little things. And I would say that my biggest wins are the times I've realised, all right, I was able to sit and look at it from their perspective and... You know, for me, it's like just really do the basics, like really go, I'm here, I'm not going to solve it, I'm going to listen, and I really care about it, and yeah, and, I, and whatever happens in your life, I will care about it, and, and uh, I'll be beside you. I'm not going to be, like, I'm not going to lead the way, and I'm not going to push you, but I'll, I'm here beside you. It's like after, the, after tears or after like a really intense time in the bedroom, it's the hug or the handhold yeah. a little bit afterwards mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, all right. Win and we got through one. We got yeah. we got through yeah. one, and we're all together. Yeah. I love it, Hamish. What's one thing that you want your kids to learn from just you as their dad? Kindness, beautiful. Kindness to to people and to themselves. Mm. Beautiful. Um, I don't think you can go too wrong. No, <laughs> I don't think you can go too wrong with that. Not in today's world. Um, okay, so if you could um, go back in time before Sunny arrived and just have a bit of a chat to the pre-dad Hamish, if you could give one piece of advice to him about the journey he's about to begin, what would that advice be? I reckon it became it becomes more apparent as they get older. So my advice to me is to let them be. Just let them be kids. Just let them be kids because I really have suffered, uh, not not all the time, but I can definitely notice it when it's happening and it's definitely been a useful thing for me or mates of mine who are very wise in this area to say and to help remind me, you know, because you're talking 100 miles an hour about this issue and then this happened at, what you know, after school and then this was at footy and like, what about this and should we do this, should we do this? 
you just get caught, so caught up in that whirlwind that what you're actually missing out on is being is the being present and just being, being and let them be. Yeah. And like just so often, not always, but a lot of the time, I think the remedy is yeah. let them be. Let them be kid. Mostly the answer is let them be. Thankfully, like knock on wood, that that <laughs> is as bad as it's got for, for yeah. me. And I know that's not everyone's situation, but for my own frame of reference, like I, I was overthinking stuff, like the, like the problems yeah. aren't really problems. Let them be kids. And your relationship gets a lot better with them when you do that too, yeah. because it's not hands-offing. It's like no. you still be present and still be there, but just remove a lot of the need to teach lessons and... <laughs> Oh, make every moment, <laughs> make every moment like some great Magical analogy moments, and like... whatever. Just let it go and let them be and let them be kids yeah. because they kind of come with that software. And so that that is the advice I would give myself for, as a general rule for that first yeah. ten years of parenting. Just let them be kids. Let them be kids. Let them be kids. They're all free and fun. Yeah. Hey, Mish. Thank you for your time and thank you for all you're doing to promote fatherhood oh, and maybe. being dead back you at know. you. Thank you for being, thank you for all the times. And I don't think I've ever really thanked you probably for this, all the times you've been a beacon through your work, your books, your podcasts. And I'm lucky because I get to sit across from you and thank you. Yeah. But I'm sure there are <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dads that would love to echo those thanks. Uh, like I said, I've got a real soft spot for dads. Hey. Thanks, mate. Hamish Blake, Father of the Year 2023. Oh, heck, it's easy to love Hamish, hey. But he was pretty clear that we're all just winging this parenting thing. And there was just a few gems that I, I want to put on our good enough dad checklist. The first one was sometimes, yeah, maybe we're overthinking and overanalyzing our job as parents and maybe we just need to let our kids be kids with us being present. Let our kids be kids. That was gold. The second one, when there are those big emotions, particularly for our girls, you know, our job is to stay calm in the storm. Use less words <laughs> and really listen and see if you can see the world through your children's eyes. You don't have to fix it. And I think the third big thing is there was obviously a hunger for Hamish for a really strong connection to his kids. And I think that came through that you matter and your connection to your kids, no matter what moment is happening, that's that's the really big stuff that you have to land on. I'm Maggie Dent and this is The Good Enough Dad. Follow us on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts.